This is episode 137 of the Prepper Website Podcast. Today's articles are Personal Hygiene, How to Survive Without Power, Want to Be Better Prepared, Find Some Prepper Friends, and Everyday Carry Gear List, What I Carry, EDC Essentials. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey, before I get started, just a quick Harvey update, uh, Hurricane Harvey update. Uh, don't want to you know, go into so much detail. Uh, I'm sure the news is all over the place. I mean, we've been watching it here in Houston. It's been nonstop coverage. So uh, I know that's not the case you know, on the national level, but there, there's plenty of information if you want to know. Uh, I, just, I wanted to say a couple of things. First of all, Houston is getting a whole lot of attention. Um, I, I think the uh, the mayor or the governor, uh, somebody, maybe maybe it was the judge, uh, the county judge who's over all the preparedness stuff, uh, he uh, or the office of emergency management, uh, maybe he mentioned it. But there's a lot of uh, all the way from Corpus Christi all the way to Louisiana. Um, there's there's damage all the way around, and so there's a lot of uh, help. There's a lot of uh, people helping people out here in Houston. There's a lot of money coming in. There's a lot of shelters. There's a lot of everything. And, and don't get me wrong. There, I mean, there's great devastation here. Uh, I know I heard, uh, I was watching the national news, and they were saying maybe like 40,000 homes. The person who is over Harris County uh, flood control is saying more like uh, very easily 100,000 homes. And uh, so it's, you know, there's going to be a lot of devastation. Uh, my da- I mean, I didn't confirm this, but just talking with my dad, uh, he said that uh, like Home Depot and Lowe's, their stocks went up and, uh, you know, gas, of course, you know, is going up. Uh, and then you have uh, a lot of the retail stores have gone down because people are going to be spending so much money on uh, getting, getting uh, you know, their homes back in order and all that kind of stuff. But the real, you know, the, one of the, the issue that I really wanted to kind of point out is that there's a lot of towns, smaller towns like Rockport, who got dev- who who was hit directly by uh, by the hurricane, and, and you know, all up and down the coast and uh, even inland uh, a little bit. The smaller towns don't have anywhere near the resources, anywhere near the uh, the uh, the opportunities that we have coming into Houston. Uh, one of uh, one of my teacher friends, uh, one of her or her husband uh, is uh, works for oil, and you know they go into all these uh, these uh, you know they, they deal with all the all you know the property rights and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, they're they're dealing, they're checking on uh, stuff you know in these smaller towns on the on the coast, and they're saying there's just there's no one that, you know there. It's not like Houston because uh, you know he's got all his Facebook friends from Houston and stuff, and so he sees everything that's going on. And he's, and he's saying, you know, these smaller towns don't have anywhere near what people are doing in the Houston area. So all that to say, if, if you're giving, if you are financially, you know, uh, you know, giving and, and sometimes it's better just to kind of hold off just a little bit to kind of see what's going on. Because, like I said, there's tons of money coming into Houston. Uh, if you could give to some, you know, maybe some of these uh, these smaller towns specifically, maybe to some some of the charities that are there, maybe some ch- specifically to churches or whatever, uh, that might be a little bit more helpful uh, for these small or ways that you can help these small towns. Um, it just, you know, there's been just so much devastate, devastation. Uh, was watching Port Arthur. The mayor of Port Arthur was pretty much saying that his whole city is underwater. Um, was we were watching some uh, evacuations of nursing homes. I mean, they were bringing patients out in beds, you know, and uh, they were getting uh, using military helicopters, putting them on uh, these military helicopters to get them up north to where there were uh, was another nursing home that could uh, could help them. And so, uh, like I said, Port Arthur is uh, is pretty much underwater. I mean, that's absolutely crazy. Beaumont. Uh, it was hit hard, and then all the way into Louisiana. I mean, we haven't even really looked into Louisiana. We haven't got a, a lot of information from there, but um, there's just still a lot of devastation, a lot of standing water um, in um, 
in Houston still. Um, there's uh, the, the the reservoirs. There's two big reservoirs that they're releasing water from, and of course that's going to go down in into the neighborhoods and flood the neighborhoods. And so um, it's it's they're doing it purposefully to uh, to release the pressure for, from these reservoirs. If they didn't do that, then these reservoirs would break, and there would be there would be loss of life because there's so much water in these reservoirs. It would come rushing out, and people would, people would just die. it would just they would die. And so they've got to do it strategically and purposefully, and, and uh, uh, you know people's homes are going to get flooded. That's just and, and some people whose homes didn't get flooded with the the hurricane are going to get flooded because of the release of this you know these uh, this uh, the reservoirs and stuff like that. So um, you know, I also wanted to point out that uh, there's no way that the first responders would have been able to do this on their own. Um, you know, they they were asking, you know, the you know leaders and the political leaders, uh, the the mayor, the governor, they were like, yes, if you have a boat, come and help out. Uh, you know, you've heard the, the the Cajun Navy. You know, all these boaters, people who have their own boats from Louisiana, who who came to help. Um, you know, people who uh, just had their own John boats and and kayaks and whatever. I mean, people were. Uh, we're rescuing people or evacuating people on jet skis. Um, it's that's how that's you know how it worked out here. There were just so many people, so there's no way that the first responders would have been able to do it. The the fire department, the volunteer fire departments. There were just so many people, and so so grateful that people did uh, turn out to be able to do that. And in the midst of all this, you've got the you got the bad people. You got bad people doing bad stuff. Um, there's a lot of things on social media that that I've seen. Uh, some of it is unconfirmed, but uh, you know, you know that there are some, some of them were confirmed, like uh, people who said that they were with law enforcement and were asking people to evacuate uh, because um, they were going to be flooded. So people were leaving their homes in a rush, and then they would go in there and rob them. So very uh, terrible, terrible that kind of stuff and other kind of stuff was going on. And uh, the last thing I want to point out is that you don't see any of the racism issues that you see in other places. Uh, I know that there's been other things happening um, in in other parts of the country, you know, with Black Lives Matter and Antifa and, and all this. You don't see any of that crap going on right now. You see people that are in cots next, you know, black people next to white people, next to brown people, next to yellow people. You know, every color of the rainbow is is out there. Um, there was a, a call my wife had just put out uh, or just read me uh, uh, a, a message from her principal asking for people who could uh, translate uh, into you know like Farsi and Vietnamese and different uh, you know different languages because they needed translators at NRG to be able to help people uh, translate and, and be able to communicate with people. So you have people of all different kinds of races, ages, economic statuses, uh, because some of the, the homes that they were showing that were uh, being flooded because of the uh, the reservoir, uh, you know, I mean, these are like the big homes. Um, these are people who have a lot of money. Their homes are flooding. And so, you know, you've got all those all the way across. You don't see any of that crap. Uh, of you know of, of the, the the riots and the protests and the people and, and, and no talk of Confederate uh, statues and, and and all that kind of junk uh, you know all that stuff that's purposely created to cause division and that causes uh, you know causes uh, problems and uh, you know works people up none of that stuff is here and so um, you know just kind of goes to show that people can pull together uh, which is great and so. Um, Anyway, I uh, probably went longer than I wanted to on that one, but uh, just know that uh, Houston is going to be in this for the, it's going to be uh, a long, long cleanup process. All right, our first article comes to us from Food Storage Moms, and uh, the article is entitled Personal Hygiene, How to Survive Without Power. So it's kind of relevant to uh, where many people are right now. So let's go ahead and get into this one. Personal Hygiene, How to Survive Without Power is the topic of the day. In case you have missed some of my posts, I am asked to speak to different church groups, businesses, and neighborhoods about emergency preparedness and food storage. I hired a friend to take pers professional pictures of my emergency preps, cooking devices, wash tubs, emergency toilets, emergency cooking stoves, and fuel, to name a few. 
I am no longer able to physically carry everything with me to all the classes or presentations. I'm not sure how much longer I'll be able to continue to do these presentations. I'm honored to be able to teach when I can to get the word out about being prepared for the unexpected. Today, let's talk about personal hygiene. I'm so thankful to my reader, who I call a friend, Joanne, for asking me to put a print button on my website. I want people to be able to print my articles and teach others in whatever manner they feel comfortable. You are welcome to share my pictures and teach your family, friends, and neighbors. I realize some people get it, but many are not interested in any preparedness items or having food storage, which I think is too bad. Somehow, we need to help others to be prepared for the unexpected. After a disaster, the government may not be able to bring supplies for three days, three weeks, or three months. I just talked to my sister in Texas who lives near where Hurricane Harvey is now a Category 4. She said the gas pumps are empty, the store shelves are empty, and you can't buy any water. I called my sister to check on the family before the authorities started evacuations. She called friends in other cities in Texas and they were in the same predicament. Here's the deal. In some areas near Hurricane Harvey, they were asked to evacuate or get supplies. I heard the city manager in one city ask those people who declined to evacuate to please write their social security number on their arms so that they could be identified after the storm. I took a double take on that one. I had to rewind the DVR to make sure I heard that right. So There are certain things we want after a disaster, like we at least want clean underwear, right? I think we can all agree on that one. I have seen fancy ringer washers from different stores. I have not purchased one of those yet. It's on my wish list, but here are a few ways to wash our clothes without any power. In most cases, we may lose power after a major or even a minor disaster. I hope you can use some of these ideas for the unexpected disasters. The water lines may even become contaminated, but I'll talk about that another day. Just so you know, the American Red Cross recommends storing one gallon of water per person per day. I disagree. That amount is fine if you only want to hydrate yourself, but what about washing dishes, washing our underwear, and cooking with dehydrated or freeze-dried foods? I highly encourage you to store 4 gallons of water per person per day. Wash tubs and washboards. Those shown below are Barin's wash tubs. I purchased on Amazon and the washboards I found at a thrift store. The clothespins are made by Kevin's clothespins. I have purchased many brands of clothespins that fell apart after using them once. This brand is the only one I can endorse. You may have seen the post I did on making these emergency washing machines shown below. This set basically takes two 6-gallon buckets, one we drilled holes in so that there would be a bit more friction when washing or rinsing clothes. You need one gamma lid, we drilled a 2-inch hole in the top, with one mobile washing tool with a handle. I place paper towels between the buckets when stored. They are impossible for me to separate them without that buffer. And so there is a uh, there is a, a picture here of what she's uh, what she's used. I did a YouTube for a company called Earth Easy that they use on their website. They sent me the clothesline to try, and I highly recommend one. I can close it and store it when not in use. It's perfect for the HOA I live in. If you already own a clothesline, I tip my hat to you. Thank you for being prepared. You're going to need it. I promise. So there's that uh, video that she has linked, uh, linked to her article here. Emergency toilet ideas. The picture below shows the difference between a 5-gallon and a 6-gallon emergency toilet. The older you get, the harder it is to squat down on the lower toilet. Here are some things you will want to store inside your emergency toilet. Hand sanitizer, toilet paper, 10-gallon bags, kitty litter, or sawdust. The number 10 can potty is a post I wrote for emergency toilets and cars. And don't forget the toilet seat. Sturdy toilet set. This emergency toilet was made by a nephew, Dane. I'm having a friend make one for me and hope to share the instructions on how to make one. This one uses a regular toilet seat that is attached and a 6-gallon bucket. If you are handy, you can probably build your own around the bucket. Dane even attached a toilet paper holder on the side. When I saw this, I almost did a cartwheel, or at least I wished I could do one. I was so excited to see this design. The picture below shows an approach anyone can make in their own home. Please duct tape that handle so that little ones do not try and flush the larger black 30-gallon garbage bag down the sewer line. All you do is lift the toilet lid and seat, place the bag in the toilet base, and fill it with kitty litter. 
If you have a flushable toilet from a trailer, those work great and, a f and are fairly inexpensive. Flushable camping toilet. I have wheat buckets, so I decided to save money and make my own toilets. Thanks, thanks again for being prepared for the unexpected. May God bless this world at this time. We need it m more now than ever before. Yes, you can survive without power because you are ready and realize you can't depend on the government. They can't begin to take care of everyone, as we have seen after several disasters. We must take care of ourselves and be self-reliant. Do you think we can survive without power? Yes, we can. Um, there's a couple of comments here and a couple of links in the in the uh, the article that you'll want to go check out. Um, I think one of the and I've talked about this before. Uh, there there are lids, toilet lids that you can put on uh, a five gallon bucket, you know, from Home Depot or whatever. And so what we did, we when we started going up to the country, we didn't have any kind of uh, facilities up there at all. So uh, I took a five gallon bucket, uh, went ahead and cut out the bottom and uh, have one of those toilet seats that you can sit on. Um, I, I put one of the, like a kitchen uh, tall bag uh, on there, cut out the bottom of it, and then taped it uh, to the sides, to the outsides. So basically what I did was it's a small little outhouse that you, that you make. I actually had PVC pipe where you could even make a, an enclosure so you could be private. You're not out there, you know, uh, you know your naked butt out in the wind uh, for everybody to see. But, you know, you dig a hole uh, that you can set the, uh, the five-gallon bucket on or over. Um, and then, so when you use it and you, you have to store it later on, you can just untape it and drop the, uh, the garbage bag. So if you're, if you're wanting to store it, you don't have to worry about it getting dirty on the inside because the plastic is taking care of all that. And then you can store it with your lid and all that kind of stuff. And, and uh, if, even if you want to store it inside another bucket, I mean, you can do that. Um, but, uh, you know, that's kind of, that's available for you and easy to do if you're in a situation like you're out in the woods or, you know, you have a cabin or, or something like that. Um, that's, that's easy to do where you can dig uh, a hole to, uh, to take care of that. Um, if you're in a home and you are in an urban environment or a you know, neighborhood, definitely you don't want to be doing something like that. You don't want to uh, be putting that stuff in the ground so close to where you live and endangering and getting everyone sick. So yeah, you're going to use um, you're going to use kitty litter and you're going to use bags that you can kind of store in and uh, do it that way. The washing the clothes, I do recommend the uh, the five gallon bu bucket way that uh, she has it here. Uh, and then you know you can just use a uh, a regular plunger. Um, this is a plunger I believe that she purchased that was specific for washing clothes. But you can go do a, a regular plunger at the at the store, and uh, if you drill holes in it, that will make sure that it doesn't uh, you know get sucked down on the bottom and then cause all this problems for you to to pull it up. And so you can drill some big holes in there so you can agitate uh, with that plunger and uh, just have a couple of uh, bucket systems where you can do you know dirty water, clean water, and rinse and all that kind of stuff. And uh, you can do it, and you, you never know uh, how that might come in handy uh, at some point. So uh, go check out that uh, article over at Food Storage Moms, and you can, uh, like I said, there's links there that you might want to go check out. Uh, you know, especially like if you get stranded, you might want to <laughs> have that number ten, uh, you know, uh, restroom number ten, uh, number ten can potty. Uh, for uh, for emergency toilet in vehicles or in cars. You might want to go check out that post. Okay, our next article comes to us from Daisy Luther's The Organic Prepper. Uh, that's over at theorganicprepper.ca. I think this is a great article. Um, I'm hoping that you will, you will really, um, really pay attention to it and uh, take it to heart. Uh, I'll come back and do some commentary here afterwards. So let's get started on this one. Uh, we've all heard about Jim Rohn, the motivational speaker and business philosopher, who said that we are all the average of the five people with whom we spend the most time. This relates to so much more than business success. If you are a person who is striving to be better prepared, it applies to you too. With this in mind, perhaps the best way to up your prepping game is to find some prepper friends. Whenever we're surrounded by people who don't understand what we do, it makes it a lot more difficult to maintain motivation. It's so easy to slide into their habits when that becomes your norm. 
regardless of what you want to achieve, whether it's a higher level of preparedness, self-reliance, weight loss, business success, or some other goal, surrounding yourself with people on that same path can propel you to success much more rapidly. Now, I'm not saying that you have to ditch your best friend or your spouse if they aren't on board with prepping. Definitely not. However, networking with people who are more into preparedness is a very good idea. Here's a real-life example of how we can be influenced by those around us. The other day, I had to go to the courthouse to fill out paperwork for my new concealed carry permit. The city's clerk office happened to be on the same floor as the criminal court. There was a marquee just across from the elevators, and while I was waiting for mine to arrive, I overheard a conversation that really got me thinking. A mom and her boy, who was maybe six or seven, were looking for her name on the board to figure out which room to go to. They found the mom's name, and before they turned away, the boy read off another name and said, Hey, isn't that Daddy's friend who was at our house last week? His mom confirmed it was indeed Daddy's friend. Then she continues to read the board and pointed out a person she had gone to high school with and a distant cousin. Now, obviously, I don't know the entire story, but if their names were on the board, it is likely that they had been charged with crimes. Whether or not they were found guilty that day, I have no idea, but all of these people within the woman's circle of acquaintances facing some circle of acquaintance facing some type of criminal legal trouble. It made me wonder what kind of future that adorable, precious little boy would face if this was his experience from the beginning. And then it made me think that this is all of us. No, I don't mean we're all in legal trouble, but we are all influenced by the people with whom we spend the most time. If all of your friends and family are frivolous, spendy people with their heads in the sand, it's going to be quite difficult for you to remain motivated to be prepared and frugal. It's going to be hard to socialize and not spend money foolishly when everyone else is buying $9 drinks at the bar wearing an expensive outfit. They won't understand why you're willing to spend $150 on a pair of good hiking boots, but you shrug dismissively at the idea of the same amount of money on a pair of high heels. They won't get it when you drop hundreds of dollars on emergency food instead of gourmet meals at a restaurant. They won't understand your glee at cooking an entire meal off-grid or growing everything you served at dinner on your homestead. In fact, many of them will find things, find these things ridiculous. Just as ridiculous as you find spending a month's worth of groceries on a fancy dinner out. There are so many things that preppers do that are virtually unfathomable, unfathomable to the normal people. And eventually this can drag you down. Now, I'm not saying that you'll stray from the course in every single situation. Any of us who have been doing this for a while have dealt with the scorn and the blank stares. We know that there are some folks who will absolutely never get it until it's too late. But if all of the people in your inner circle think you're nuts, it can be difficult to remain motivated. If no one else cheers your yard sale finds of a Coleman camp stove in perfect working order for only $5, and man, that would be just a steal, right? It's sort of a letdown. If your spouse complains relentlessly about the stockpile of food you keep stashing away, chances are that one day you may decide it's just not worth the argument. It's just so discouraging. That's why you need some people around you who understand. First of all, I'm not suggesting you cut off contact with family members, divorce your spouse, and ditch all your friends. Please don't do that or force me to become a witness in your divorce case. The people you love are irreplaceable. But... You can add to your circle and find people who will cheer your yard sale victories and stockpile coup. Not only will this help you to remain motivated, but it will also help you to feel normal and accepted. And no matter how often we say, oh, I don't care about that, deep down most of us care. Constantly being treated like the crazy one can be hard. Here are some ideas for finding your circle of prepper friends. Here are a few ideas that have worked for me. Perhaps you can tweak them to make them fit your circumstances. You'll love the reward of having like-minded friends. Number one is do prepper stuff. Go to local places where preppers might hang out, like preparedness expos, foraging classes, shooting ranges, gun shows, homesteading expos, wilderness medical classes. You get the idea. Hey, just let me interject here. Yeah, so you got to be careful at gun shows. Um... Because you can get the negative feedback as well. Uh, I have a, a shirt, you know, it says Prepper website, and I have worn it to gun shows before, and I get the ridicule, you know, hey, you're a prepper, blah, 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 you know, and you kind of just want to, you know, 
uh, yeah, and you're just a gun nut, you know, all you care about is guns, and, and how good is that ammo going to be when you, you know, when you're hungry? So you kind of want to, you kind of want to, you know, be, be rude like that kind of back, but, uh, you know, it's just, it, it's going to happen. So you do, you, you need to be careful gun shows. Uh, definitely, you're going to find some people there that are, are into preparedness. You're definitely going to find some, but it's just like everything else. Uh, you know, you you can find uh, you can find some ridicule there as well. But uh, going to g- maybe even going to some places where, um, uh, for instance, like at, at gun shows, uh, at least here in in the Houston area, the big one uh, always has a, a guy who has books for sale, right? So if you go and they always have the prepper books there, you know, the ones that you can you know maybe spending some time looking through those, or if you find someone that's there looking looking at one you can say oh hey are you into preparedness you can start that conversation that way um, there are always booths around that are a little bit more preparedness minded and so you know maybe someone who's hanging out there talking a little bit you can kind of connect with them uh, you know th- that way easily so uh, definitely there's ways to do it all the way around just wanted to kind of throw that out that as I as I read gun show I was reminded of uh, uh, the ribbing that I got there, but yeah, I'm okay with that. I got uh, plenty of prepper friends that I can talk to. Anyway, so number two is use social media to your advantage. I think this is a big one. So uh, let's read this one. There are so many groups on Facebook alone that you are bound to find others who share your philosophies. This is a great way to find local folks who are into the same things that you are. It should go without saying, but I'll say it anyway, that get great caution should be taken not to disclose too much personal information. As well, if you're meeting in person, meet in the public place to make sure and make sure others know where you are going, who you are meeting, and when you'll be back. So I really I think social media is a good place where you can go. You can make some great friends. You know, people who who uh, don't understand gaming. Uh, so I know there's probably people out there who uh, who are gamers or who have gamed before. Uh, people don't understand the the draw to that. You know, it's like man, you're just spending hours on the computer. So before I got into preparedness, I was, uh, you know, I was a gamer and uh, I, I would spend, you know, I was one of those people that would spend hours on, you know, that was my hobby. That was the thing that I liked to do. That was the thing that, that uh, I had fun with. And I had met some, some guys on, uh, online uh, just, you know, going into servers and stuff like that and kind of link up with them uh, that I had played probably for about, uh, I want to say about maybe 11 years uh, played with them online, uh, and you know we would we would get on and and we we knew each other. Uh, we would talk. Uh, sometimes we would just talk and we wouldn't even play games, right? We would just you know what's going on and 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 things like that. So um, you build that camaraderie, you know. And it was all online. These are people that uh, that I've never met in in, in person. Uh, we just talked, uh, you know, uh, through the internet and we gamed on the internet. And, uh, you know, we would hit, hit each other on social media and those kinds of things. So um, social media is very powerful because you, you will link up with people that you, uh, you know, that you can talk to and uh, you get to know them. Uh, of course, you want to be careful with, you know, information that you put out there. But, um, you know, that's one reason why I created the, the, the new Prepper website Facebook group, right? A more self-reliant life uh, Facebook group because... Um, the Facebook page, the Prepper website page, I never really created it to be a place where to build community. And really the way it's set up is, you know, articles are posted and pre- people can comment on it, but people can't add their own stuff to it. Uh, a Facebook group, you can. So uh, when you join, you can, if you found a, a great article um, and you wanted to share it with the group, you can throw it on there. If you wanted to ask a question, you can ask a question. If you wanted to, you know, make an observation or a comment, you can go ahead and do that. And you don't have to have permission by, you know, an administrator to do that. You can just do that when, you know, if you're a member of, of the group, if they've, if they've set it up that way. And that's the way I've set up Prepper website. I mean, I'm careful. I don't let people, I mean, there's been people on there who get on there and they want to start, you know, advertising their Thrive Life and stuff. And I'm like, I shut that down really quick. I don't want. I don't want that. Uh, definitely not going to allow people to start disparaging other people and 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 uh, making fun and, and those kinds of things. That, you know, I see that on other groups and just uh, you know, I, I just hate to see that because you want it to be a, a place where people can learn and grow and and those kinds of things. But anyway, so 
uh, I have used I have used the podcast and the website and social media to link up. Not too long ago, we do we had a little uh, a meetup here uh, uh, in Houston, and after the meetup, I had another person email me and said, "Hey, did you already have that meetup?" I'm like, "Yeah." They're like, "We want to we want to know the next time you do that." And so you know, I'm looking maybe to October. Uh, doing that again, but just getting together and talk and uh, being able to be face to face with someone, I think that's important. I also have uh, on my other website that I have not done anything with, and I'm actually shutting down. I'm just the hosting is still um, it's paid through, so uh, I think it goes uh, maybe dead at the end of September or end of October. Uh, I'm going to be moving all my articles over to Ed that matters, but I do have a. Uh, you know, those who wanted to start like a a, a prepper Bible study um, uh, group, I did make it available where people could send me their information, contact information, and I would put it on uh, on that group. And that was specifically for um, preppers who wanted to to build, uh, you know, like a community group around the Bible study, around you know, for other Christians and and, and things like that. Um, I'll probably more than likely will be moving that over to Ed that matters as well, and that will that will have its own page. So, um, you know, people have emailed me recently, and I, when I say recently, like in the last two months, um, asking me about that, and I just I didn't know where I was going with it, but I, I'm probably going to keep that, and so that will be there um, as well. If you're interested in that, you just got to give me a little bit of time to set that up. All right, moving on. Number three is take a class that you have, you have to pay for. One of the things we have found with our prepping intensive class is that many of our students end up becoming close friends. Quite a few of them have met in person after taking the class and some have even melded their preparedness plans to create community. The reason I suggest that you look for classes you have to pay for is because making an investment in education helps to assure you that these folks take preparedness as seriously as you do. Our next class is starting soon. You can go here to sign up for it and join a community of hundreds of others like-minded preppers. Uh, you can go to Daisy's uh, article and you can you can connect there. And I will also have it for you in the show. Had it yesterday. I talked about it yesterday. I'm also going to have it in the show notes again. I'll have it all this week because it does start September 3rd next week. So if you want to get on, get in on that, you can do it. And I, there's a lot of advantages to it. So you can go check that out. Number four is don't discount online friends. I've already kind of talked about this, but let me read this. The beautiful thing about social media is that you are you are able to find like-minded friends from all around the world. I have friends in Germany, Jordan, Australia, the UK, and all across North America. Some I've met in person and others I haven't, but there's always someone around who will rejoice in my prepper victory, victories and help me creatively solve prepper problems. You can get a great deal of support and motivation from friends you may never actually meet face-to-face. Again, very, very much so. That's why I, I, I started the Facebook group. When I started started the podcast, I started the, the Facebook group because I wanted to have a place where, um, you know, people that were listening to the podcast can go and, and uh, you know, uh, do exactly what Daisy is talking about here. Number five is get to know your neighbors. In one town where I lived, I knew we'd fit right in when the guy that lived at the top of our dead-end road showed me their plan to close off the road in the event of an emergency. While your neighbor might not be quite that blatant, get to know them. You may be surprised at the skills they bring to the table. Do they keep bees, raise chickens, go hunting, raise vegetables, or have a backyard orchard? In many emergencies, the people who live the closest to you will be your community. Get to know them ahead of time. Number six is don't narrow it down to only preppers. Find local groups of people who are enthusiastic about prepper-type things like homesteading, vegetable gardening, food preservation, wild crafting, outdoor excursions, bushcraft, foraging. The list goes on and on. Find groups on meetup.com, at your local extension office, on Facebook, or at a community center event. These similar interests may not mean they're preppers, but at least you'll have some down-to-earth things in common. And you never know, some of these folks may be there for exactly the same reason you are. And I will tell you, there a lot of the things here that Daisy is saying uh, as far as some of these groups that you can be a part of, um, you know, like uh, guns and, and firearms and gardening are, you know, gateway drugs to preparedness. But some of these other things are as well. And so I think if you find someone who's homesteading, I mean, they're going to be there already. But uh, in someone who's into bushcraft, uh, wildcrafting, 
food preservation. They're going to be there already, but uh, meetup.com is a, is a great place to find some people and just kind of go and just chill and, and uh, uh, just kind of lurk a little bit and uh, just, hey, I just found you on Meetup. I just want to come and see what y'all are about. And if you don't think it's for you, you don't ever have to go there again. Um, that's how, um, you know, that's kind of one of the things that I did and uh, found a group. I don't think the group is uh, is around anymore. It's been a long, long time, but I uh, did meet uh, a couple of people there and do have them as Facebook friends uh, as, a, as a result of that. Continuing on, trust me on this. Once you make some prepper friends, you'll feel less alone and more motivated. No one likes feeling like the oddball all the time. I hate to cite the overused term, find your tribe, but in this case, it fits. Now, warning, not all groups of preppers are people you will want to hang out with. You need to make sure of a few things before sharing too much information. Do you share similar philosophies? There has recently been a great deal of talk in the media about extremist groups of all descriptions. If you're a mellow person who just wants to get through the zombie apocalypse, or more likely the next big hurricane, you don't want anything to do with these people. Likewise, if their avidly held political viewpoints are diametrically opposed or opposite yours, things may not work out. Watch out for groups with a cult vibe. Have you ever been around a group that seems to practically worship the leader? They hang on his or her every word, never question the orders, and have to constantly prove their worthiness. Run, don't walk away from a group like that. And don't drink Kool-Aid if they offer it to you. Uh, that's just my two cents there. Uh, look out for groups who are overly militant. While security is an essential part of preparedness, some groups are pretty intense about it with regular drills and militant plans. Does it seem like the group you found yourself with is a bunch of middle-aged folks playing army in the woods? They may be perfectly fine, but, it also, but it's also possible they focus too much just on one aspect of preparedness while ignoring the others. As well, they have the potential to be the type of group who intends to take what others have carefully stored or to enthusiastically engage in vigilante justice. Just because a group has a hint of the qualities above doesn't necessarily make them terrible people, but you'd be spending a lot of time with them during a tense situation. Proceed with caution because however they are now will be multiplied a thousandfold in a real apocalyptic scenario. I want, I want to read that sentence again because I think that's so relevant. Proceed with caution because however they are now will be multiplied a thousandfold in a real apocalyptic scenario. When people are stressed, when people are freaking out, when people are in you know situations that they don't want to be in, they they tend to uh, to act um, you know in very very weird and different ways. And so you want to be around people who are going to be calm, cool, and collected, and you're gonna you know you see them in stressful times, so you know how they will react. All right, ending this out, how did you make prepper friends? In your, is your whole family on board with prepping? Has it always been that way, or did you have to convince them or be convinced? If you have a group of like-minded people that, that aren't family members, how did you find them? Did you find it helpful to be around these folks? So um, there's a couple of comments here. I was very, very lucky. Um, you know, My dad was always into at least the... Um, the, the preparing for the end times from a biblical standpoint, I mean, that was one reason we had the country place early, early on when I was a kid. I, st I still wish we had that place. Um, but anyway, uh, so, you know, when I started talking about preparedness or being prepared, it wasn't, I mean, it was like he knew exactly what I was talking about. We, you know, we were, we were tracking together. Um, you know, my brother came along very, very easily. My wife, and I've talked about this before, you know, it was in watching the show after Armageddon and then the boys, uh, my kids, you know, they're, they're, they're your typical American teenage kids. Um, you know, I have one that, that prefers to, to be a little bit more outdoors and likes the fishing and the hunting and, and that kind of stuff. Uh, but, uh, you know, they're, they're your typical you know, American kids who want to do all the things typical American kids do. But I had them to sit down and watch American Blackout, and that really helped. I mean, it really helped them to, to understand how important it is. And then again, you know, we just going through this hurricane and being able to uh, do some of the things that we did, know that we could uh, handle handle this, you know, as as much as possible. Uh, I think was a uh, you know a big uh, benefit, and so they they see the benefit of being prepared, not for the the big apocalyptic you know scenario, poop hit the fan scenario, but even something like a hurricane, maybe water coming in uh, the house, and uh, you know your power going off, and those kinds of things. So 
anyway, uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully you are not, uh, you're not one of those that just, you're completely alone. And I know that there are many of you out there. There's, uh, uh, you know, I've done polls before on Prepper website and people are like, hey, I'm the only one or it's just me and my family and that's it. And and if you got your family behind you, that's good. That's a big support system there. And I'm talking about like immediate family. Um, if, you know, the bigger your family can, you know, gets or at least your your circle of influence and preparedness gets, uh, you know, that that's a, a true benefit. Uh, you get to really bounce things off of each other and, and talk about things and, and all those kinds of things. I, th- I think that's important. Um, so, but there are a lot of you that are out there. I know that just you're you're on your own prepping, and so hopefully you can find someone that you can uh, you can prep with. Um, that that would be a big benefit. All right, our last uh, article comes to us from the survivalistblog.net, and the title of the article is "Everyday Carry Gear List: What I Carry, EDC Essentials." And and uh, everyday carry is is it's a deal. It's a big deal. I think it's important to, that you carry around. Uh, you know certain things, and you realize that those, you know, what, how important those things are, why, why you are carrying them, and, and how they're they're going to be used uh, in in uh, you know every day for your preparedness uh, aspects of it. Um, so let's go ahead and read this article, and uh, we'll see if there's some comments here. Your EDC gear or everyday carry is one of your most important survival tools because it is the kit that you will always have available and on your person should an unexpected disaster befall you while you are away from your home or outside your vehicle. Even though an EDC kit is a much abbreviated version of a larger, more in- larger, more incomprehensive survival kit and is not meant to supply all of your need long term, it will drastically increase your chances of getting back home to your main survival supplies or surviving an immediate threat to your personal survival, such as criminal assault or natural or physical disaster. For example, let's say you have the misfortune of being trapped alive under the rubble after your office building collapses during an earthquake. Because you have your everyday carry kit, or EDC, you were able to use your cell phone and or whistle to help rescuers to find and rescue you. Another example could be the use of your handgun or OC spray from your everyday carry kit to ward off a criminal attack. And yet another example would be the use of your multi-tool or Swiss Army knife to repair a needed item or fabricate an item from scrounged material should the need arises. At the end of the day, the gear that matters most is the gear that you have on you when you need it, and the gear should start with your everyday carry kit. Its uses and possibilities for saving your life are interminable, and its or its contents should not be overlooked or taken lightly. What you include in your everyday carry kit will depend on your personal needs and individual location, but certain items have a universal need and should be included in most kits of this type. These items are what we will consider here and should be used as modeling for your kit that you can later expand to include other items that are essential to you on a personal level. Suggested everyday carry kit items. Multi-tool or Swiss Army knife, the use is for general use and repairs. A handgun or OC spray or taser and use it for self-defense. Bic lighter and or fire steel miniature using for starting fires, etc. Whistle using for signaling for help. Small flashlight with extra batteries uses as signaling emergency lights, etc. Cell phone or communication calling for help. Money and small bills used for general use paying for emergency services and barter. Large band-aid, in, large band-aid individually sealed antiseptic wipe, used first aid, health, and repairs, and at least a two-day supply of prescription meds, and that's for your health. I consider weight to be one of the most important considerations when considering items for an EDC kit, because you'll be carrying this kit with you at all times, or you should be. You'll want to keep the weight to a bare minimum. The last thing you want to do is to leave your kit behind on the very day you need it because you thought it was too heavy or bulky to bother with that with that day. Keep it light, tight, and ready to go. Once you decide what you need to carry, you'll need to figure out how to carry those items in the most convenient and comfortable way. If you're a female that carries a purse, how to carry, how to carry your kit isn't a problem because you already have a ready-made pack. Just organize the contents of the purse so that they are easy to reach by their order of immediate importance. For example, you would want to have your handgun or OC spray or taser in an easily accessible location, inside or in an outer purse pocket. There are a number of purses available that are designed for concealed handgun carry that has a specially designed pocket for secure and discreet handgun carry with 
most of these purses also having an assortment of other outside and inside pockets to easily carry the other items that make up the EDC kit. Men, as a rule, have a more difficult time of finding a suitable way to carry a kit, but if the kit is kept small and light as it should be, it isn't much of a problem. I carry the bulk of my kit on my belt with the other items distributed in my pockets and on my key ring. Several companies sell specially designed vests for concealed handgun carry with plenty of pockets and these work great for carrying and distributing the components of an EDC kit. Because of the general design of this type of vest, the weight being carried is adequately distributed, making the kit barely noticeable. Another option for men is a small fanny pack such as the Uncle Mike's off-duty and concealment nylon fanny pack gun runner holster. These are great for conveniently carrying EDC contents with a well-designed and easily reached pocket for your self-defense option. What do you think? Have suggestions, advice, or suggestions or questions? Please post in the comments below. So again, uh, over at uh, Survivalist Blog, MD has uh, a big community, so you know there's a, a lot of comments and, and uh, questions and information in the in the comment section. Go check those out. So, uh, you know, one of the things, I'm a big fan of the Altoids uh, tins, and uh, I use Altoids. I, I try to find Spearmint Altoids. Those are my favorite. I use those uh, all the time. But then I keep the kits and uh, try to use those kits for different things. So uh, I have used, I actually have a post on an urban kit that I've made for myself. So I've made a, a boo-boo kit that I use that sucker all the time. That sucker is in my backpack. I use it all the time. Uh, the Urban Kit, I'm starting to use it on a regular basis. And really what it was, it's not a, more of a, it's not a survival, go out to the wilderness thing. It's more the things that I use every day that I need um, or, or that uh, I, I would have liked to have had, right? And uh, so, it, you know, one of the things to remember is that, you know, I'm working more in a more professional environment. I'm dealing with people all the time. I'm around people, and so, you know, how would that look? You know, I'm in an office, uh, and or going to campuses and visiting campuses or training or whatever, and so, uh, you know, how would that look for me? There's been things and items that I have wanted in the past that uh, would have benefited me. Um, I always carry around my backpack, so I have my backpack, and I use that. I have, um, you know, things that I need there, but, you know, it's it wouldn't if you're someone who is going out into the woods i think having uh uh having a couple of different altoids uh tents for whatever tins for whatever uh you know your situation might be so if you are like in the in an urban situation you can grab that one and go if you when you want to have a a first aid kit uh you know a small little mini first aid kit uh, you can just put that in your pocket, and they're so small and convenient. You can put them in your pocket, and you really don't feel them. It's not like you're putting a whole bunch of junk in there. Uh, same thing for uh, wilderness. You can have like a wilderness survival. Maybe you, maybe you want to focus on some uh, fire uh, making uh, water, uh, you know, water tablets or whatever. You can you know, put those in a small kit and uh, you know go go that way. So a lot of uh, options that you might have there. Um, and so uh, I'm a big fan of those. So if you are looking at a situation where, you know, I want to have everything nice and, and carry it, you can do that. But you can also do one of these fanny packs, um, a backpack. You can, uh, if you want to carry some more substantial stuff, you can carry it on your pockets, on your belts. I don't like things on my belt loops and uh, or on my belt. It's just, I don't. Uh, to being in an office in a you know in a professional setting it just doesn't it just doesn't work for me um uh, and so uh you know doesn't i i would i wouldn't do that so um uh, but you might be in a situation where you where uh it would uh, pay off for you and you do feel comfortable i like the idea of a vest so if you're out there you know and you're going out to maybe the woods or whatever having a vest is is you know might be beneficial for you um so you know that might work that wouldn't work for me but uh that might work for uh for a lot of other people out there so you got to really find you know what works for you and what kind of items you need it's going to be dependent on where you are uh on a regular basis but you know i like the idea of the whistle uh the cell phone that is a given um you know when people people poo poo the cell phones all the time and you know until we get to the EMP, your cell phone is a very, very powerful, um, you know, tool for you to have. Not only can you communicate uh, on in multiple different levels, you have, uh, you know, you have apps that you can use. You have, you know, uh, whatever. So I, anyway, so it's a very, very powerful tool. Yes, 
when the EMP happens or when your battery runs out, uh, yeah, it, it sucks. You're not going to have that available. But, um, you know, if you're like me and in my backpack, I have multiple ways to charge my my uh, my uh, cell phone. Uh, not, to, not to mention the fact that when I'm in the office, I keep it charged all the time. So uh, having some kind of uh, you know, multi-tool I think is important or that or Swiss Army knife, uh, I think that's good uh, always to have in you. So there's, you, know, you kind of look, look at your situation and kind of go from there. All right. So that's, again, over at the survivalistblog.net. Hey, guys, if, from time to time, if you get a chance, you know, I try to link to, uh, all, the ar- I link to all the articles on the episode you know, on theprepperwebsitepodcast.com so you can go there. Or um, if you are getting, you know, if you have a, a podcast catcher that brings in the show notes, I link to all of them there as well. And so you can go directly, you know, please go to, uh, if, if there is an article that really piques your interest, you know, go check out that, that website and let them know, like, hey, man, I, I, I'm coming to you because I heard it on the Prepper Website Podcast. And, uh, you know, just let them know that because, uh, you know, they, uh, they allow us to read their articles and, uh, you know, we want to be a blessing to them. But uh, a lot of the times they have a lot of great, uh, a lot of other great information. You know, I don't read all the articles on Prepper Website, um, but they have a lot of other great information and a lot of other great links that you can link to on their uh, on their articles so uh, appreciate you that if you, if you do that and then also appreciate the reviews on iTunes or any other podcast network that's out there um, but especially iTunes iTunes seems to be the the big one when I look at all the analytics that's where everybody's usually coming from and so uh, I do appreciate the reviews that are on there Hey, don't forget to sign up for the, the email list. And when you do, you uh, you are automatically enrolled for uh, the e-course, Building a More Self-Reliant Life. So you'll get an email every week um, giving you another topic, you know, and that goes for about five weeks. And then we also have the Facebook uh, uh, group. Love for you to be a part of that and, and join it. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I think uh, the camaraderie there is growing every every um, every time. So every day. Uh, hopefully it, it is, and uh, I'm, I really want it to be a place where people can just come and uh, learn and grow and feel free to just talk about preparedness and uh, kind of go from there. Again, if you're looking for more preparedness information, don't forget to go to prepperwebsite.com. Uh, we have tons of uh, information. We also have uh, pages that are specifically dedicated to like alternative news, firearms, uh, frugal living, uh, conspiracy, if you're into that, um, DIY, I mean, all that good stuff. There's tons of information there, not just on the on the front page. So a lot of good stuff. If you get a chance, I'd love to get feedback from you and connect with you. You can hit me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.